Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Ness, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public land throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley with a new recreation map you'll hear about later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department encourages Oregonians to come out and experience the changing seasons, but also be well prepared for whatever winter brings. It's worth noting that we're in the midst of expecting our first batch of low elevation snowfall in both the Cascade and Coast Range, so it's a good time to get prepared and make sure to check conditions ahead of time. Always a smart idea, and it fits with today's episode when we'll be breaking down 10 of our favorite winter adventures, from snowy waterfalls to backcountry lookouts to the deepest lake in the United States. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, in this episode, we're celebrating the arrival of winter and all the amazing things you can do in Oregon's outdoors. We're going to take you to a bunch of cool places that you might consider putting on your bucket list for this year's coldest months. To paint a picture of the places, I am joined by our outdoors intern, Eddie Binford-Ross, who's traveled all over the state during her time with us. Eddie, thanks for coming on today. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Zach. (laughs) All right, well, our focus today is going to be in all things winter. That means we're going to travel to some of our favorite snowy spots, along with places like rainforest waterfalls that don't get snow, but come alive with upwards of 100 inches of rain. So, Eddie, it's been pretty slow to start the winter season. As we record this, none of Oregon's ski areas have opened yet, but that's about to change, correct? What's coming our way in the coming week and beyond? Well, we certainly hope it's about to change. Uh, Meteorologists predict that the Cascades are going to see between one to three feet of snow, possibly even more uh, accumulating over the next week. And, you know, we won't know for sure how much they'll actually get. A forecast is just that, a forecast. Uh, But a lot of ski areas have expressed that they are hopeful (laughs) that this will mean the start to the season. Uh, Bachelor says to expect an opening day announcement very soon. Uh, Timberline says they've got people ready to go and are keeping a close eye on the forecast. And Mount Hood Meadows suggested that they might begin limited operations as soon as this weekend um, and then slowly open up the rest of the mountain. Yeah, I mean, they're all behind a little bit. And, yes. Uh, so getting getting open before Christmas break is always a very important thing for them to make yes. some money. But the encouraging thing about the forecast is it's we might have snow all the way down to 2,000 feet, yeah. which is pretty darn low and means that stuff is going to be in play like some of the snowy waterfalls, some of the snow parks potentially in those mid-elevations, which is awesome. Because we've been waiting for winter to get rolling, and sounds like it's finally here. But this podcast, of course, is not a weather report, as much fun as that might be. So in this episode, we're going to talk about great winter adventures. For me, I love winter recreation on multiple levels. In non-snow areas, a lot of the normal trails are quieter, the waterfalls are more powerful, and everything feels lusher. And then once you get up into the snow, you have backcountry exploring, you've got the ski areas, so there's just a lot to do. Eddie, you're a ski instructor at Hoodoo, so what do you love about winter in Oregon? You know, 
There's a lot that I love about our Oregon winters. I think a lot of the time uh, Oregon winter gets a bad rap here because it's so quickly associated with rain and gloom and clouds. But there really is so much to appreciate. Um, I'm a big fan of the snow and the mountains, as you said, and so I spend a lot of my winter up in the Cascades skiing and teaching ski lessons at Hoodoo. Uh, But there's definitely a certain versatility to Oregon winters, and I also love heading out to the coast and hiking in the valley as well. Yeah, I should also mention there's some great fishing that comes in the winter. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're up for it, there is, you know, winter steelhead. There's better fishing at places like Detroit Lake. So it brings a lot to the table. But let's get into it. We are going to go back and forth, each picking five really cool adventures that you can have this winter. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to start with Crater Lake National Park. Now, obviously, this is Oregon's only national park and a well-known and beloved spot. But for me, winter is by far the best time to visit. The park is transformed in winter, covered in 43 feet of snow. The best way to experience this is snowshoeing or cross-country skiing, although there is one route you can take uh, to the rim via snowmobile. So you want to check the weather before heading up there very carefully because at any given time you only see the lake 50% of the time. So it's helpful to know what you're you're coming into. At the same time, sometimes the roads close if there's too much snow, so you want to make sure that the roads bring you all the way up to the top. It's so high elevation that even if it's not a great snow year, you get good conditions at Crater Lake pretty much every winter. And it can be easy or more complicated. On the easy end, it's pretty simple to just toss some snowshoes in the car and drive out there. So in winter, you're just following the rim road that circles the lake. In summer, a million cars drive on it, but in winter, it becomes a de facto trail. And so it's pretty easy. It's wide, simple to follow on snowshoes. You get great views of the lake and you have a lot more solitude than you would during the summer. In a normal year, there are these popular ranger guided snowshoe trips out there. But for the second year in a row, those won't be offered this winter, very sadly. So you got to do it yourself. On the more challenging end, you can get a permit and do the classic 33-mile ski tour around the entire lake. Now, that does require snow camping, and you have to get a free permit to do it, but it is a bucket list trip. And you can actually camp in the snow with views of the lake. And the experience of watching the sunrise over Crater Lake in the winter while you're kind of shivering cold and sipping your morning coffee, it's just is an incredible experience. So there's a lot of planning there. Um, There's a lot to consider. I always recommend calling the rangers at Crater Lake in advance, but make it happen. Get up to Crater Lake. Eddie, what is your first pick? Well, first, I would like to second your Crater Lake recommendation. My first memory of Crater Lake from when I was like four um, is from the winter. And we went up there because I was in love with volcanoes when I was younger. And Crater Lake in the winter is something really, really special. Have you ever snow camped out there? I have not, no. Got to do it. Just just one time, like, I used to do it every year when I lived down in Southern Oregon. And it's it's something else. Like, there's nothing that quite compares with the sun rising. Yeah. And you're covered, you're surrounded by snow, and you're just chilly everywhere. But it's quiet. It's so quiet. You think of Crater Lake as just surrounded by automobiles all yes. the time. And there's nothing out there. It's just silent incredible stars too like it's so dark the stars just are crazy I'll definitely have to add that to my list (laughs) Um, so my first choice is for those of you looking for a change of scenery but don't necessarily want to drive into the mountains 
Uh, it is a hike on the Oregon coast. So you can start at Beverly Beach State Park and hike all the way into Newport along the Oregon Coast Trail. This 12-mile hike offers sweeping beach views, two lighthouses, rock formations, fossils, bridges, and more. For most of the hike, you'll be walking along the beach itself. And for part of that, you'll be pretty secluded, particularly when you're to the north of Yikina Head. But as you get closer to Newport, you'll get you'll also get a taste of the more bustling Oregon beaches. Although right now the beaches in Newport are significantly less busy than in the summer, which is another perk of doing this hike in the winter months. One of my personal favorite parts of this hike was you can actually climb through a hole in the rock at Schooner Point uh, to emerge onto the quiet beach of Starfish Cove. You do have to watch the tides for this point, though, uh, because you'll want to reach Schooner's Point within an hour or so of low tide, uh, particularly with the higher winter tides. A short detour about halfway through the hike will actually take you to the point of Yukina Head where you can visit Oregon's tallest lighthouse, which is visible for most of the hike at a distance. While you're around Yukina Head, keep an eye out for otters. Otters are really rare along the Oregon coast, um, but there have been several sightings there recently, which is really exciting news. A few miles later, you'll pass the Yukina Bay Lighthouse, which is the only wooden lighthouse left on the Oregon coast. And to end the hike, you'll walk across the iconic Newport Bay Bridge. Yeah, that hike, you're touching a lot of different areas. Let me ask you this. Was it easy to stay on the route um, yes. that you had decided on? Like, was there pointers? Did you just plan a lot in advance? Or how did, the, how did that work as far as keeping you on track? It is actually not all that complicated of a hike because, like I said, for most of the part, you're just following the beach. Yeah. And so from Beverly Beach, you followed the beach all the way... As long as you can get around Schooner's Point, so mm-hmm. that's why you have to hit it at low tide. But as long as you can get around it, you follow the beach all the way to Yakina Head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you can't follow the beach around the headland, so you have to climb up. And there's a trail in the off to the side that's uh, kind of marked, and it, it wasn't that difficult to find. Mm-hmm. And then you just walk around along the road, cool. and as soon as you you walk not very far and then you head back down to agate beach and then from there you just follow the road or follow the beach again so it was pretty mm-hmm. pretty simple yeah and i should mention that we did a long podcast with uh, bonnie henderson who's the author of a book on the oregon coast trail and that's where we generated some of these ideas all right so my second pick i am going to talk about rainforest waterfalls and That includes a few of my favorite waterfalls, primarily in the Coast Range. Now, we did an early podcast about the best adventures of the Coast Range, and it's worth listening to. But what I really enjoy are these Coast Range waterfalls that just boom into emerald forests this time of year. You do have to be very careful about driving directions. The Coast Range is this kind of no man's land between the Willamette Valley and the coast. It can be a pretty confusing place. So you know, you want to have your directions on point, but that also keeps it a lot quieter than a place like the Columbia River Gorge. If you go there, you're going to have packed trailheads, lots of people. Got to the coast range, it's it's quite a bit quieter. So I'm going to list just a couple of my favorites out there because I've got quite a few. My favorite place for a longer adventure is Kentucky Falls and the North Fork Smith River Trail System. 
It's in a pretty remote area east of Eugene and closer to Reedsport. And getting directions are critical here because otherwise you will get badly lost and end up in a terrible position. Uh, from the valley, it's a pretty nightmare drive, but it's, it's worth it. Once you get to the trail, it passes three waterfalls over 100 feet tall. And you can combine the two trails into a longer hike of just under nine miles one way. You can either set up a shuttle or you could do a hike a bike, which I recommend. And yeah, that's probably the best overall waterfall hike in the coast range. My favorite kid-friendly waterfall system is Sweet Creek Falls, which is just south of Mapleton near Florence. Just a bunch of waterfalls, really cool boardwalks, and the hiking is universally easy, great for kids. Uh, the one that's closest to Salem is Niagara Falls out near Wilhelmina. That's another pretty easy one, kid-friendly, with two waterfalls over 100 feet. So that's Niagara Falls, not the famous one, obviously. This one couldn't be any more different. And finally, the easiest and most photogenic, I have to go with Golden and Silver Falls State Park outside of Coos Bay. Not Silver Falls, Golden and Silver Falls. They could not be more different. This is a tiny little park shoehorned into the Coast Range Mountains. It used to be old logging land. It is nothing like the giant Silver Falls State Park. But the waterfalls are really impressive, really powerful, and worth visiting once, especially if you're out on the coast. So, Eddie, what's your number two? My second pick is a hike up to the abandoned Devil's Peak Fire Lookout in the Mount Hood National Forest. This lookout was decommissioned more than 25 years ago, and finding one like this is actually very unique because many decommissioned lookouts were completely taken apart or even burned by the Forest Service in the late 1900s in attempts to mitigate any safety issues. Devil's Peak offers a stunning view of Mount Hood framed by trees, as well as panoramas of the surrounding forest. The building itself is in remarkable shape, with the lookout really standing as a testament to the dedication of volunteers who stock and clean it. You'll find that inside there is a stove, there are chairs, tables, games, and sometimes even food. There are also beds, however, it is important to note that the Forest Service has prohibited overnight stays in the lookout itself. So, if you do want to spend the night, you can set up camp on the peak, which I recommend only if the weather is good, uh, or in the woods, which will provide a little more shelter. The main way up to the lookout is the Cool Creek Trail, which is definitely a good workout. The trail is a little more than four miles each way, but the elevation gain is what gets you because it just keeps climbing. <laughs> but the lookout is well worth it. In the winter and spring, snow covers parts of the trail, so be sure to bring snowshoes or at least micro spikes. The road to the trailhead can also be snowy, and it is not plowed by the county, according to the local ranger station. Part of the road is maintained by residents, uh, but I definitely recommend calling the zigzag ranger station ahead of time to check conditions, and also be prepared to walk along the roadway a little ways. Uh, the trailhead itself is very close to some of the main winter attractions of Mount Hood, including Timberline, Government Camp, and Mount Hood Meadows if you want to extend your trip a little more as well. Very cool. The lookouts in the winter are excellent. We've, we've written about some of the winter lookouts that you can rent. Um, there's only two of them left, I think, Warner Mountain Lookout. Uh, there's Five Mile Butte and then uh, Hagger Mountain Lookout. So there's actually three. Those are ones that you have to rent in advance. This one is first come, first serve, correct? Yes, but 
as I said, right. you, you can't, can't spend... You can't stay there, but you could just go and hang out yes. there with other people and yeah. warm up um, and stuff like that. Yes. And there are uh, several guest books actually there that detail people's um, trips up to the lookout. And a lot of them talk about just kind of the meeting of strangers and a bunch of strangers from different groups all gathering together in the lookout and playing card games and talking and things like that. Oh, that's fantastic. And I like what you mentioned about, uh, because with places like this, you can never tell how the road's going to be or what conditions are like. So doing your homework in advance to know where the snow level is, where you might have to park, you know, when you're going to need snowshoes or not, because it's really variable. Like if you would have gone to Devil's Peak like uh, last week, yeah, probably wouldn't have been much snow, if any at all. There wasn't any. Yeah, and then but then like two weeks later, later into December, it, there can be snow all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. And so you never know what you're going to find, and that is universally true of a lot of uh, lookouts and places like this in mm-hmm. Oregon. Do that homework. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have our final three picks for winter adventures. I'm Andy Geisler. I'm a forester at the American Forest Resource Council, and we're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Like you, I love the outdoors. On many days, the forest is my office. I work on the ground with public lands agencies on good forest management projects. Forest management helps achieve important conservation goals while providing sustainable timber. Science-based forestry helps improve wildlife habitat, outdoor recreation, clean air, and water. And it's essential to providing renewable, climate-friendly wood products. Learn more about us at amforest.org. All right, our newest sponsor is Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean beach, ancient forest, and a shocking number of beautiful places you might never have heard of, all centered around towns like Manzanita, Pacific City, and Tillamook. This is a beautiful area to visit, and the best way to plan a trip here is by looking at their newly created trails and recreation map. The map features 800 different sites from campgrounds to beaches to hiking trails. My favorite thing about the map is that it breaks down activities into 13 categories. So say you're looking for a campsite. Just click on the drop-down menu and 22 different campsites appear, and you can get information on each one. If you're looking for a hike or a way to get on the water, the map has 40 different trails and 48 boat ramps all laid out on an easy-to-navigate digital map. To find the map and get started, visit TillamookCoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. All right, welcome back. My third pick is another favorite and a topic that we've done an entire podcast about, and that is snowy waterfall hunting. The idea here is going snowshoeing or skiing to waterfalls frozen in ice or covered in snow, usually in some combination. For me, there's nothing more refreshing. Nothing quite cleans out that raspberry jam in your brain better than that chilly mist of a winter waterfall. The waterfalls ideal for the snow include places that you can reach on plowed highways, park safely, and then head out into the snow. They're often unofficial routes, so make sure to do your homework in advance, just like with the lookouts. I'd add that you do need a nice low elevation snowfall to make them look their best. So I keep an eye out for when the snow is falling nice and heavy below 2,500 feet or thereabouts. Again, I'd encourage you to listen to our podcast on the subject for more. But a few of my favorites, and I think my favorite overall, is Salt Creek Falls Snow Park on Willamette Pass, east of Eugene. 
It's about a quarter mile trek to the 286 foot waterfall, just blasting down through the snow. It's a very cool sight. And then you can follow a five mile marked route through the snow on skis or snowshoes to Diamond Creek Falls. So the nice thing about this place is that there are multiple options for adventure. It can be pretty easy. It can be a little bit more challenging, and there is a sledding hill there for kids. So kind of checks all the boxes. Uh, Sahaley and Kusa Falls along the Mackenzie River is another gem. It's an unofficial route. Parking can be a challenge, but this is a beautiful spot to, uh, to snowshoe primarily. I've got a full story on that that you can find online. And just up the road, I love to drive all the way up to this winter gate on Mackenzie Pass Highway 242, And then you follow the highway up to Proxy Falls, which one of the most popular hikes in Oregon during the summer looks much different in the snow. That trip is about seven miles because you're you're hiking up the the highway for quite a ways. And uh, then you're probably going to snowshoe if there's enough snow onto the Proxy Falls Trail and just follow the summer trail. That one's very variable. Sometimes there'll be no snow. Sometimes it's slushy. Sometimes it's deep powder. So pay attention to conditions. Two other winter waterfalls include Tamiwanis Falls near Mount Hood and Tumalo Falls near Bend. But yeah, snowy waterfalls, very fun. Check the conditions. Eddie, number three, what's your number three pick? My number three pick kind of ties into yours, uh, your number three with the snowy waterfalls. If you're looking to head to a popular summer destination and see it in the quieter months of winter... Uh, go to the Mackenzie River Trail. This trail is located east of Eugene and offers views of forests, waterfalls, and a tumbling river. The trail itself is 26 miles long in total. However, there are many access points along the way to choose where you can exit or enter. Uh, You can even check out your pick sack of Sahaley and Kusa Falls along this trail. I'd recommend... uh, taking this trail to the Blue Pool. The winter is definitely the off-season for this popular location, which gets quite busy in the summer months. Very busy in the summer months. However, it is actually one of my favorite easily accessible winter hikes, especially after a snowfall. In fact, the entire trail is quite striking in the snow. There is a fire damage closure to the trail south of the Blue Pool, Uh, So keep that in mind when you're planning a visit. Because of this, the best way to access the pool is taking the trail from the Carmen Smith Reservoir, uh, which will make the hike about seven miles round trip. Excellent. Yeah, that's actually, if you park on Carmen Smith Reservoir Road, you can go upstream to Sahaley and Kusa or downstream to Blue Pool. And again, it's, I mean, you never know what kind of conditions you're going to find there yeah. during the winter. One of my favorite things, one of my bucket list things that I want to do is I want to see Blue Pool at when the water is high enough so that it becomes a waterfall. Yes, I've seen pictures. <laughs> I, I want to see it. Like, I've never been there. It's always been in the back of my mind, but I think yeah. you've got to wait for like borderline like flood stage conditions for it to be high yes. enough to like actually dump over. But it's actually a dry waterfall. Uh, originally called Tamalich Falls. And so, you know, if you can get out there, you could see it in the snow. You can see it at super high water when it becomes a waterfall. Or you could just see it, you know, regular and you can mm-hmm. enjoy the, the crazy blue color that Blue Pool brings. All right. So for my fourth pick, I'm going to go a little more family friendly and I'm going to be taking you down to the south coast. My f- 
pick is a few state parks close to Coos Bay that include Umpqua Lighthouse, Sunset Bay, and Shore Acres State Parks. So Umpqua Lighthouse is a park that I like a lot because it has a ton of these really cool deluxe yurts. So if you think about your typical yurt at a state park, it's often kind of small. You know, it's it's nice and everything. It's, you know, nice and warm compared to being out in a tent, but it doesn't bring a whole lot else to the table. And these deluxe yurts are much larger. They have refrigerators, they have bathroom, and they're just a lot of fun for families. My kids love running around in them, you know, living in this quasi-tent thing that's also super warm. And so it was a tradition for Christmas uh, to go down to these. We called it Yurtmas. <laughs> and uh, Umpqua Lighthouse has the best ones. And you can usually get them because it's not the most popular state park in the world. Um, so that's a nice park to make a base camp. And then you got to head down to Shore Acres State Park, which is just south of Coos Bay. It's a borderline famous place to look at the ocean because when the tides get high enough, there's a seawall there and the the waves come in and just crash against the seawall and just send up these huge sprays. And so it's actually been kind of a spot where photographers come when there's king tides and stuff like that. Have you ever Mm -hmm. seen like crazy blasts of uh, waves you know, shooting, you know, 50 feet up into the air, there's a good chance that's at Shore Acres. Finally, there's Sunset Bay, which is right next to Shore Acres, and you can string together these three state parks on the Oregon Coast Trail, and it's really scenic. It just tight ropes along the edge of the ocean the whole way. It's one of the nicest stretches of the Oregon Coast Trail. So lots to do out there, um, but definitely worth it, and uh, you can have your own yurtmas. <laughs> All right, so what's uh, number four for you? For my fourth pick, I am taking you guys to Central Oregon. If you're looking for somewhere unique to Nordic ski, snowshoe, or even snowmobile this winter, I'd recommend you head to Oregon's 80,000-year-old caldera in Newberry National Volcanic Monument. The caldera is only part of the National Monument. However, in the winter, it does offer the best recreation options hands down. Many of the summer attractions of Central Oregon's Land of Lava are accessible in the winter by Nordic ski, snowshoes, and snowmobile, although the scene will be decidedly different because the area is completely covered in snow. There are many, many trails to explore throughout the area. I believe it's over 100 miles. Uh, However, I recommend heading to Paulina Falls, where you'll see two rushing twin falls, Uh, From there, you can trek around Paulina Lake, which is one of the two volcanic lakes formed in the caldera. In the winter, Paulina Lake Lodge along the shore actually serves food on a limited schedule, uh, so you can grab a warm bite there during your snowy outing. For the brave, there is actually a trail to the top of Paulina Peak, which is the highest point on the caldera. The summit offers striking views of the surrounding landscapes, um, and these views are really considered to be some of the best in Oregon. However, the steep trail is challenging even in the summer when there's no snow. Plus, the snow makes the path significantly longer, so plan accordingly. (laughs) The road into the monument is closed by snow, uh, so to access it, you actually have to head to 10 Mile Snow Park, which is about 40 minutes south of Bend. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned this place, especially in light of talking about the winter waterfalls earlier, because uh, Polina Falls has been on the bucket list. That's like, I think, one of the last winter waterfalls that I haven't made it to. And so hoping to do that. All right. Well, my fifth pick 
is going to be Ray Benson Snow Park and the other Sanium Pass snow parks. I've talked a lot about these snow parks over the years just because I use them all the time. Last year, uh, Ray Benson just became my spot during the pandemic. Um, it was just cross-country skiing across the nation, and I can see why, really rose in popularity just because people wanted to get out. Mm-hmm. They were sick of being cooped up, especially in the winter, and they wanted to get away from other people. And backcountry, cross-country skiing is a fantastic way to do that. Ray Benson is by far the best place to cross-country ski. It has tons of trails, many miles, many different routes. It has the best snow because it's right at the top of Sanium Pass. And there are outstanding views of Mount Washington and Three Finger Jack all over the place. There's also a bunch of backcountry shelters and cabins with wood stoves that make great places to rest and warm up maybe halfway on your trip. If you're more into snowshoeing, I'd recommend Maxwell Snow Park, Potato Hill Snow Park, or a number of the others. Just remember, if you're going to a snow park to buy a snow park permit in advance, they're a great value. They're just $25. Uh, You can buy them from the DMV online, and we have links to that in a bunch of different places. Uh, You can also buy them in a lot of recreation shops like Salem Summit Company or REI. You work up there. Do you go to the snow parks a lot? I do not get out (laughs) into the snow parks a lot. I am either, I feel like I'm either working or I am trying to get as many runs in as possible. Um, But it totally makes sense that cross-country skiing kind of took off Mm -hmm. in the pandemic because some of the ski resorts, including Hoodoo, uh, saw huge crowds or they were restricted and so they couldn't see huge crowds. Um, And so it totally makes sense that people were looking for other ways to get out into the snow. So I'm going to mention something real quick on that crowds note. Yeah. The entrance road into Hoodoo is a zoo on it, the weekends. It's terrible. It's a zoo. And so my strategy became I would leave my house at about 5 in the morning so that I got to Ray Benson Snow Park at about 7 a.m. right mm-hmm. around sunrise. I would get my miles in and then by 11 or 12 I was leaving and not coming in. And the craziness of that road on a weekend yes. at about 11 o'clock, it's, it's wild. Like there's like it feels like Mad Max or something. There's like trails of cars out onto Highway 22 yeah. or Highway 20. Um, there's like people slipping out. It's You just feel like you accomplished something if you escape. There have been days where I've been coming back from work and I have waited on that road for like 45 minutes yeah. to an hour to just get to the turnoff onto the highway. It's pretty bad. And it's so bad. There have been like fights that have broken out up there. Like because yeah. there's like trailers. There's people that are trying to park. It's such a mess. So if you go to Ray Benson, go early um, yes. and get out early or go midweek. <laughs> All of those uh, better <laughs> options, which is a nice segue into your fifth pick. Yeah. As we've been talking about, I am a big fan of snow and skiing, and I have taught ski lessons at Hoodoo for several years now. Um, And so if you're looking to ski or snowboard somewhere other than the more popular Mount Bachelor and Mount Hood, I definitely recommend heading to Hoodoo. I enjoy all the ski areas in the Cascades, but Hoodoo definitely holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, This has been my family's go-to ski area for over a decade um, for several reasons, including that it isn't that far away from Salem. 
and it is cheaper <laughs> than the rest of the parks, and it's got this really fun, family-friendly environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hoodoo is about 70 miles east of Salem and offers downhill skiing, snowboarding, as well as some Nordic skiing. Um, although smaller than the other ski areas of the Cascades, it still has five lifts. It offers runs for a variety of ability levels. Um, and it's also significantly cheaper to get a lift ticket or a lesson at Hoodoo um, compared to places like Bachelor and Mount Hood. All-day lift tickets during the peak season at Hoodoo uh, cost about $70 for adults. At Bachelor, an adult all-day ticket during the weekends and holidays is going to put you out about $160 and sometimes even a little more. During the season, Hoodoo also hosts a variety of winter events, including a New Year's, New Year's Eve celebration where they do a dinner and fireworks display, and a winter carnival where staff builds a bunch of uh, snow structures around the lodge that kids can play on and climb on, and they make slides and stuff. Uh, the resort is planning to host these again this year as long as COVID requirements allow. Yeah, Hoodoo is also close to my heart. And uh, we did a podcast where we got into the history of Hoodoo, which is pretty interesting. It's the Mm -hmm. second oldest ski area in Oregon um, after just Timberline, I think. Originally, did you know this? They were going to build the ski area around Three Finger Jack. No, I yeah. didn't. Yeah, because <laughs> that was way before the wilderness area came in. Right. So that was the first choice. I forget the reason that they didn't end up building it there. Yeah. But Hoodoo is super old back in the day. People would drive up there and they would kind of spend the night at Sanium Lodge and then they would ski down to, okay. to what was called like ski bo- Hoodoo Ski Bowl or something in the beginning. And I talked to one of the original guys there about, you know, they basically had like an old car engine that was Mm -hmm. like, that they'd like fire up to get the lifts going and stuff like that. And in a few places, it would sag so low that people that weren't paying attention would get knocked off the lifts because their ski ski fronts would just hit the snow because it would just sag down so low. So this was like really fun, old school, um, you know, ski stuff. If you want to hear the full history, it's on our podcast about Sanium Pass Snow Park. So... Uh, check that out. But yeah, they have a great uh, Autobahn, too, where you yes. bring the kids and take them down the um, uh, tubing. And uh, it's it's a nice contrast to just across the street, there's uh, Sanium Snow Park, uh, which is like the Wild West of snow. <laughs> um, the, the Hoodoo experience is much more civilized and you're not like crashing into people. And Although the Autobahn does require a fair bit of snow. So sure. there have definitely been years where they have not even open the Autobahn or mm-hmm. have only opened it for a couple weeks. So. But when, it, when it's going, it's it's, yes. it's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, Hoodoo's great. They also have great rental options. I'm hoping to get my kids skiing this year. We might hit you up for some lessons. Definitely. So be, yes. be prepared for that. You have to deal with a sassy seven-year-old. <laughs> along with I me. do that a lot. <laughs> that brings us to the end of our 10 picks. I'm going to add just a few more bonus picks here just for fun. And I, I thought about them off the top of my head. There is whale watching. So right at the end of December, it's whale watching season. Uh, head out to the Oregon coast. My favorite spot is uh, Cape Lookout. You hike along the trail. You can get to the edge of it and look down and you know see some whales. So that's uh, tends to be late. It's right along winter vacation is the best time to go yeah. whale watching. Um, Umpqua Hot Springs uh, in the North Umpqua Canyon. Occasionally, when they get low elevation snow, they close a gate and you can snowshoe or ski to hot springs, which 
very, very cool. Um, I'd also mention a lot of people like going to Silver Falls during the winter, and I don't blame you. Uh, great place to be in the winter. I like another place called McDowell Creek Falls County Park. So it's like a small version of Silver Falls, um, closer to Sweet Home and Lebanon. And the upside there is you get to bring your dog on the waterfall trails. And as somebody who owns a giant dog that hates being <laughs> left behind, uh, he appreciates when we go there. Um, the last thing I'll mention is two backpacking trips. I see this question a lot. People are like, where can I go backpacking in the winter where I'm not in the snow? And two options are the Drift Creek Wilderness out in the coast range. Wrote a story about that recently, but you can backpack down into this old growth wilderness canyon full of giant trees and every shade of green. And there's some little uh, nice backcountry campsites along the river and that doesn't get snow. And then another one is the Rogue River Trail in Southern Oregon. That is an almost 40 mile uh, trail and it's so low down in the canyon and the weather is nicer down there that it typically doesn't, I don't think it ever gets snow uh, on the trails. And you can also fish for winter steelhead. Uh, so that's a pretty good one. I've done it in the summer. I've never done it in the dead of winter, but people do it. They tell me it's great. And those are a few bonus picks. Another place that you can backpack is along the coast. You know, we've referenced the Oregon Coast Trail several times in this podcast. And a lot of those Oregon Coast Trail hikes you can turn into a backpacking trip or a hotel hopping mm -hmm. or lodge hopping. All right, so we've given you 10 of our picks and then another five, so I guess we've got you up to, <laughs> to 15. Hopefully, you came up with some good ideas for this winter. Eddie, thanks for joining me today and helping us come up with some good ideas. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. We hope this gave you plenty of new ideas to get outside during a time of the year when, honestly, the couch may look like a better option. If you like what you heard, check out our back catalog of what is now over 50 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com explore. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resource Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for our future. Learn more at amforest.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast, a great place to plan your outdoor adventure with the help of their new recreation map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.